0: Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern Ned Reynolds in the studio on a Monday morning. So we knew it was going to happen. Eric Bieniemy no longer a Kansas City Chief.
1: I think there is a little bit more to it than has been reported. Now this is strictly my opinion, but I found it less than coincidental when Bieniemy leaves to go to Washington and word is leaked that Matt Nagy will probably be the replacement for Andy Reid when Andy Reid retires. Now, it's not anytime soon as far as we know, but I think that probably impacted Eric Enemy when he found this out. He said, OK, look, if I'm not going to be in this situation, I'm going to stay in a place where I'll probably be the O.C. again. So, hey, I want to give him another chance where there is a possibility I could be a head coach. You know, Washington, they, they changed coaches right and left. So it is, I think, probably impacted him more than anything else. I think it's possibly that that's one of the key reasons why. He also more than likely wants to prove himself as being the architect of what the Chiefs were able to accomplish. Andy Reid gets a lot of credit for him as being the genius offensive coordinator. Will Enemy wants a little bit of credit too. Andy tried to give him that during the post-Super Bowl press conferences, but it will only manifest itself when he does it on his own, and Washington might be a pretty good situation for him. Chiefs will be okay. Nagy will take over right now as the offensive coordinator, and he's no slouch, folks. He's a very good coach. So I think both teams will come out as winners here.
0: Yeah, I'm um, uh, discussing with some Chiefs fans over the weekend, and, and what you said is I think what's going on. Um, the, the thought for years because every year he would go on head coach interviews is that maybe it's just a bad interview but it could also have been the fact that teams didn't really see or couldn't see what his play calling ability was because he's been in the shadow of Andy Reid for so long so this will give him opportunity to sink or swim and I wish him all the best he does have the weapons so we'll see but like you said Washington seems to change their mind pretty uh, rapidly sometimes. So, But I hope it works out for them. I know we're in good hands, at least for the uh, time being. So if you're a racing fan, your butt was glued to the couch yesterday. Your eyes were glued to the TV. Daytona 500, pretty exciting stuff, wasn't it? Double overtime, and
1: it's also a record for the number of laps that was run. 212 laps. That's, that's over and above what they normally run in that race. Double overtime, of course, figures into that. No problem. I mean, that's, that's the reality of the circumstance. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is the winner in the double overtime race. This is really interesting because Stenhouse has never won the Daytona 500, been around, has not won a race in NASCAR since 2017, but he gets one now in really what was essentially a bumper car's duel to the finish. Cars spinning out, cars wrecking, and of course you restart when that's the case. But it was a thriller, double overtime win, and the spring season has now begun. That's a harbinger of spring, the Daytona 500, and the NASCAR season is off and
0: running. It's good to see it now. Um, If the race is run right, almost always, it seems like it's gonna come down to overtime.
1: The way it works is that NASCAR has established a rule in which the race itself cannot end under the yellow caution flag. Well, that did happen yesterday. It was, I think the caution flag came out with four laps to go, and it was obvious they weren't weren't going to get the damage corrected in time. So they knew, they being the field, knew that it would go to one overtime. (laughs) Well, the overtime is two laps, two extra laps. So the rule is that you run that first lap, and if the white flag signifying the second lap and final lap comes out, and there's a wreck, then you go on. But if there's one before that, then you go to another overtime. Well, in this case, there was a wreck before the white flag came out, so they had to go to a second overtime, another two laps. <laughs> this time, the yellow flag came out after the white flag, so the race did end with the drivers in place, and Stenhouse was about one one, one 16th ahead of the, uh, the runner-up in the race, Joey Logano. So it was a thriller all the way, and the fans loved every second, second of the whole thing.
0: And best of all for the TV networks, it lasted all day Right long. up into
1: the early evening. Yeah. Started at 1.30 central time, ended about 5 o'clock.
0: So we had some local college basketball action over the weekend, didn't we?
1: Bears game on Saturday was as bizarre as anything I've ever seen. The Bears had to lead the whole game, playing Northern Iowa, And Northern Iowa's players are not as good as the Bears, and the Bears had the lead. I thought they had it won, and they did not. They could not hold on down the stretch. Northern Iowa won at 69-66. Big disappointment. Crowd was 42-4,300 fans. It was Hall of Fame weekend over at Missouri State. That in and of itself was a big disappointment. The Lady Bears played Friday night against Murray State, and their game, Mike, was double overtime. And... The Lady Bears finally emerged in the double overtime. Well, yesterday, they played Belmont, and Belmont beat them at the Great Southern Bank Arena. Now, that doesn't happen very often. The Lady Bears losing at home, but they did. 68-60, to I believe, was the final score. And the Lady Bears, uh, 68-58, I should say. And the Lady Bears could not shoot. And when you can't put the ball in the basket, there's big-time problems. Here's a little stat to figure out here. The Lady Bears shot 62 times in the field 62 field goal attempts made 18 of them that's 29 percent That's not going to win you any games at all and it it cost the lady bears big time so it's a split for the lady bears a win friday lost saturday and a loss by the bears on saturday afternoon missouri state plays its final home game the men tomorrow night tomorrow night at the great southern bank arena that's the final home game of the season gang and then from there on in, it's tournament time, and we'll see what happens. But no way now that Missouri State can play in that. They won't get a bye from the first round. They'll have to play in that Thursday first-round game, and that's that's going to be a major challenge for them.
0: Missouri State wasn't the only team that was out on the court this weekend. Jury uh, Panthers and the incredible Lady Panthers are both playing. And they, they
1: are incredible. Yeah, They have a record now of 25 wins and one loss. 25-1. and That's the Lady Panthers of Drury. They beat McKendree, and that was over in Lebanon, Illinois, is where the Lady Panthers won it. But the guys did not, and they are now 8-18 on the year. So we're seeing a total 180-degree reversal of fortunes. Lady Panthers are really good, folks. Second team in America, NCAA Division II, and they can play the game. So more power to them. Their season is about to wrap up and they're about to go to the Great Lakes Valley Conference tournament also coming up at the very first weekend in March.
0: You know, I know you always make a big deal about how when Tiger does play. You know, media's following him around. But, you know, this tournament, though, it was nice to see him back. I mean, obviously, he didn't win the thing. But I thought, considering what he went through last year, trying to get back and his health, he looked like he did pretty good, considering. Well, he finished at
1: one under par for the entire tournament, and that was 16 shots back of the winner, John Rahm. I, what bothers me is is not so much that the attention's being given to him, it's that it's being taken away from the guys who are winning yeah, it. Yeah, well, that too. And Jonathan Rahm is the number one golfer in the world. Tiger Woods is not. Tiger Woods had his day, and that's fine. But this fawning over by the media kind of bothers me because, my, uh, being an old man, I remember the days when Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus took golf out of the shadows and made it big time. Well, when they reached the latter stages of their career, did the media fawn on over them? No. said, oh, well, Arnold Palmer competed, did this, and Nicholas competed, did this. With Woods, they're following all around and everything is analyzed, wait a minute, Where do, what, what kind of equal coverage is this? There is none, and what it is is the media's hope that this guy stages one of these miraculous storybook returns to greatness, which is probably not going to happen. Yeah, he played okay. He shot a 100 par, so did a bunch of others, did make the cut, and it is a PGA tournament, a big one with a lot of big names in there. And the guy can play golf. But can he play it at the championship level? Oh, look at Tiger now. He's really gearing up for the Masters.
0: Well, Matt, thanks as always for the great insights. I'll see you tomorrow.